Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quickly. I'm Jared Prugar. And mm, you smell that, Kevin? I smell roses. These roses are so sweet. Uh, we're ramping up towards Christmas, so we're building up some energy right there. And then just to get that icing on the cake, the dominoes fall like they need to. And Penn State is going to the granddaddy of them all. And listen, the Rose Bowl itself is an incredible atmosphere. It's an incredible experience. I loved it when I was there in 2016. It was really cool. You know, you you leave the media hotel and you're on the highway to go from LA, downtown LA to Pasadena and all surrounding the ballpark or the, the stadium, I should say, or golf courses. And Kevin, you and I both know how much we love the game of golf. They used them as parking lots, so obviously the the greens were fine, but the fairways might have been a little rough if we wanted to play it. But, you know, we got a police escort. We showed up to the stadium. It was a great game. You know, Penn State didn't win, but just the the pomp and circumstance and the pageantry of the Rose Bowl is just, you know, there's a reason why it's the granddaddy of them all, and it it is the – premier bowl game in my opinion that you should want to go to an experience no matter who you root for uh in college football yeah i really wish i could go unfortunately i think i'm working new year's weekend so unfortunately i won't be making the trip out there it really would um development there though is joey porter jr declared before selection sunday that he was opting out and you have to wonder if he thought that penn state was going to the rose bowl if he would have opted out or if he was going to opt out regardless, I can't imagine not being in college football and getting an opportunity to go to the Rose bowl and you opt out. I get it. I am never going to fault a kid for business reasons for opting out of the game. I just think myself as a competitor, I'm not, I'm no five-star athlete. Many people can vouch for that. Not a five-star athlete, but I just can't imagine having an opportunity to play in the Rose bowl. Penn state hasn't won it since what new year's day, 1995. I mean, I was still in the womb at that time. You know what I mean? I was I was two months before entering this earth at that point in time, and Penn State hasn't won it since then. Is it and your fault? No. But I just can't imagine opting out and not playing in the Rose Bowl. So we'll see if he goes back on that opt-out. I don't think he will. I think he's going to be out, and I think he's opting out, and he's going to go to the draft. But, man, the Rose Bowl, Penn State, Rose Bowl, we're there. Yeah, and to get here, so I think Joey Porter Jr., I, I mean, business-wise, you got to make the right decision, right? And and he's going to be a top 15 pick, I think, which if he wasn't a top 15 pick, I'd say probably that we're going to play. But, you know, this is where having a, a younger team actually benefits you. Uh, because Sean Clifford, no, I say young team, and then I mentioned Sean Clifford, which is cruel and uh, ironic. But, you know, having him play is going to be huge. If they can get Ulu Fashunu to play is going to be huge. Now he's coming back for another year. <laughs> Drew Aller's backs or strong, or, you know, blind side is going to be well protected, but you know, you got to make, I think they're going to be okay. Um, obviously, you know, your, your stud freshmen are playing Abdul Carter, Singleton, you know, Allen. That's great. Maybe even Kayvon Lee can be healthy. Um, not sure if Fishunu is going to be able to play based on his injury status, but he gets a month to recover. So that's perfect. But to get to this point, Kevin, a lot of things had to happen and it kind of had to go perfectly. And it did. Uh, Obviously let's start last week. Uh, Michigan 
thumps Ohio State. Ohio State drops, not unexpected. Um, but so too did, you know, everybody else, LSU loses. Um, and then this week, you know, obviously their team sitting at home. Penn State went from number nine to 11, which number eight to 11. Uh, Even number eight worse. To 11, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you know, depending on the poll that you're looking at. Uh, but, but yeah, like, that's the crazy thing, though. You know, you, you sit at home and you, you don't get penalized for winning. You don't get rewarded for not winning either. But, then you start out Friday night and Utah just straight up destroyed USC. Like I was able to watch some of that game. We had a basketball tournament in, uh, in North Allegheny in Pittsburgh. And I got to watch that game after, after we played and I watched some of the worst tackling that I've ever seen. And there was better, there've been t- better tackles in uh, flag football games in that Utah USC game. Yeah, that defense. And it wasn't just one team or the other. I think Utah started it off with just abysmal tackling and USC breaks it. Um, Caleb Williams was getting loose early. Then it seems like he hurt something in his leg. I'm not going to speculate on any injuries, not kind of person I am, but definitely hurt something in his leg. And man, when he wasn't mobile, Utah just teed off on him. And man, that team without Caleb Williams running around looked amateurish. I mean, they are, they are amateurs, but compared to Utah, Utah, in that second half. I mean, they outscored them 30 to seven in the second half. So Utah turned the jets on and then, yeah, that started off a great weekend or a great two days of college football. Yeah. And it kind of looked like Caleb Williams was dealing with a hamstring injury of some sort, which would make sense, but man, just USC's defense. And I think I saw a Twitter on Twitter, uh, which was lighting up about it was usually we have to wait until January to see a Lincoln Riley team fail at tackling. Um, and I thought that was hilarious because Oklahoma was notorious for not being able to tackle, uh, especially in their bowl games. But, you know, kudos to Utah. They, they beat USC three games in a row. They beat them twice this year. Utah or USC's two losses are to Utah. Um, now they went from potential playoff to playing in the Cotton Bowl against Tulane. And Tulane, their running back is pretty good. Tulane, I think, has got a very good chance to beat USC. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Then you you tune in on Saturday and TCU loses. Well, TCU doesn't get penalized for losing. They they go to overtime. They get beat by K-State. Um, but in what was a great game, honestly, you know, the TCU quarterback, if they win that game, I think he ends up being the Heisman front runner um, over Caleb Williams just because of Williams' performance over the last two games. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it – it just it, and that led to OSU getting into the playoff, which then you know you don't have to worry about the weird situation of you, OSU playing Utah again in the Rose Bowl. Um, but you know now you get Penn State going for the roses, and it's the first time since 2016. Which you know people for Ohio State they consider themselves holier than now for the most part, and that's a consolation prize uh, for winning the Big Ten championship, but. But, man, Penn State gets to go to the Rose Bowl. And coming into the season, if you would have said that to me, I probably would have believed it to an extent, but I would have believed it because they were a two-loss team that didn't get into, you know, the playoff once again. But, you know, I think I, I think when I was with DK, uh, Pittsburgh Sports, I took them to go 9-3 or 10-2. And, and, you know, I didn't expect a bowl game like this. And, yeah, selfishly, I wanted to see them in 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 Miami where Clemson and Tennessee are going to play in the South Carolina Gamecocks bowl. Um, 
two teams that or one team that beat them both. But, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're in the roses and I, I'm ecstatic for, for that program. I think it's great. And I'm excited for everybody that gets to be there because it's, it's an excellent opportunity. Yeah. And just to wrap up, just the couple other conference games, Clemson, UNC, man, DJ Uyungle did not look good. Dabo was and like, he's transferring and he's transferring. He's already in the portal. I, I, there were rumors before that, you know, Cade Klubnik is, looks like the real deal. Dabo said to DJ, yeah, you're sitting the bench because this dude is coming in and that dude balled out 20 of 24 for 279 yards and a tud. And I think he had one on the ground too. I mean, he looked like the real deal. How checked out though. Do you have to be to enter the transfer portal after winning ACC championship? And that game you started. The rumors I saw on Twitter were that his brother's coming into college and he was transferring to play somewhere with his brother. So kind of a package deal kind of thing. And I think the writing was on the wall. I think Cade is a much better quarterback than DJ and Clemson is a much better team with Cade at the helm. I mean, they played so much more inspired. I don't know if it's just, he's better in the locker room. They've got more confidence. I don't know if DJ was playing scared. I'm not, not, I went to Clemson. I'm not anywhere at Clemson fan, but yeah, it's like, that's kind of, that was just the notes there on the ACC. So I think Clemson is going to give Tennessee what they can handle, especially since um, Hendon Hooker's out for Tennessee. And then Georgia really thumped LSU. I mean, thumped them. Anytime Brian Kelly gets beat like that is pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I I really don't have a strong opinion on Brian Kelly. I know you don't like him because he was a Notre Dame coach, but. No, I just think he's a dick. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, I love this fake Southern accent. Um, <laughs> and then Tulane, you know, beat UCF. UCF almost made that a game. And Purdue thumped Purdue – or I'm sorry, Michigan thumped Purdue uh, pretty easily uh, in a battle for Big Ten supremacy, which was pretty much expected. Not going to lie, I didn't even pay attention to that game. Well, I tuned to that game once the Clemson game was out of hand. I was like, ah, I'll support the I'll support the Tigers there for a little bit, and then it was out of hand. And I was like, I, yeah, I should I was... probably do my due diligence and watch the Big Ten championship game. I was passed out, not gonna lie. It was a long weekend of basketball. But what we're not going to do is pass out and and not have the last two segments of this podcast. So we're gonna come back here after this quick break on the Nittany Sports Now Network. This is the Lashing Out Podcast. Welcome back to the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nippy Sports Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, we're done smelling the roses. We're going to get right into the rose bush. Utah is a tough team. They've got a good, experienced quarterback. Kyle Whittingham is a great coach. Uh, we saw that as he outmastered Lincoln Riley pretty intensely uh, Friday night in Vegas, which was interesting. But, you know, I, I got to love it. it it is awesome to, you know, to experience that. But, um, but yeah, this is going to be a good game. Uh, I think Penn State is minus one and a half right now. Um, so, but again, you know, we mentioned this briefly in the first segment. Penn State, for what it's worth, James Franklin said this Sunday during his Rose Bowl press conference, initial press conference, he's got almost all of his guys are going to be there that are healthy and ready to go. Chop Robinson, I think, is going to be good to go. Uh, Abdul Carter is going to be good to go. Jair Brown hasn't made a declaration yet, but I, but that's possible too. And he's a guy that 
you know, could really boost his draft stock by having a big game. And we saw Saquon, Bar- Saquon Barkley's big time coming out party uh, against USC uh, and then watched, you know, typical James Franklin fourth quarter collapse um, also in 2016. But, you know, these are these are opportunities for, for some younger guys to really take advantage of it and, and really make an impact and see what happens. Yeah, just to confirm, go back. Uh, Penn State is one and a half point favorite as of like two thirty when they announced it today, and the over under is forty seven and a half. So, decent high scoring affair projected, uh, close game projected. I think it's gonna be really close. Cam Rising looks like a. It kind of reminds me of like a Gardner Minshew type, just with the <laughs> hair. That's true. Does he got? A, does he have the stash going too? Or he's got like the little goatee. The I think the it was like, full- like, yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got it going on, and I he like, plays I out like- west in the Pac twelve. Like. No yeah. one really pays attention to him. Um, that team, that offense is balanced, though. I mean, 310 yards to the air on Friday, 223 on the ground, average six and a half per carry. I mean, it's back. It's Pac-12 defense, which Pac-12 is starting to become big, big 12 defenses, which is kind of funny to watch. Um, Perfect for Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it with Penn State offense going against a light, supposedly light tackling defense. Um, and then they're they're uh, tight end. He had a big game. Uh, mm-hmm. Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid. He was a little gimped up, so we'll see if he's healthy by. He's got a month to get it, get a hamstring injury back together. I think he can get that one done. But um, yeah, it kind of is it kind of like the big the Penn State of the Pac-12, right? I mean, balanced offense, pretty good defense. Well, their defense probably isn't as good as Penn State's, but then they just got a weapon at tight end that they just go to. So it's. I'm I'm all for it, and with the rankings that came out, I feel like Penn State got slighted. I mean, some people benefited from losing this weekend, like Ohio State benefited from USC losing, T- TCU lost, and I don't. They shouldn't have fallen out of the top four. They should be the number three team in the country, but losing didn't hurt them. But Penn State, they lost three spots in the rankings this week. They dropped. They got jumped by Clemson, Utah, and Kansas State. No, yeah. those are all three teams that won. All, th- all three teams that won, but an idle Penn State loses three teams, three spots in the ranking. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal because you take care of business and you're back in the top 10. Like you win, the, you win on January 2nd. You are, you're going to finish the year in the top 10, probably mm-hmm. seventh or eighth, whatever. So, like, I think it's just bulletin board material. And Utah's ranked number eight, right? They're ranked number eight. Yeah. James Franklin has a, has a chance to beat a top 10 team and the whole season, all we've heard from sec fans, it means more. Penn state doesn't have a ranked win on their schedule because they've played two ranked teams. Got housed by Michigan. We'll we'll talk about that again and played Ohio state, the number four team in the country until good for 51 minutes. So yeah, right. We're going to get to that point where it's like, if they win number eight, if they beat number eight, Utah, at the Rose Bowl, it's going to cement James Franklin's legacy as a Penn State great. I mean, he's 100 wins, already one of those great coaches. And it's going to solidify the season. Like, okay, yeah, we lost to the top four teams. They're not a top four program, whatever. But they beat number eight, and they beat a, they beat another conference champion on a big stage. I think, like, yeah, for a season that didn't have a lot of hopes, I think that's this is – I mean, it's a bowl game. It's going to solidify any season. But winning this bowl game, it just feels like it's just going to be that much more. 
Yeah, and I think the good thing for James Franklin, he's just been here before. Franklin is as, as prepared of a coach as I've seen. You know, you saw that with Auburn and the way that they practiced leading up to Auburn and playing down there, and it, and it paid off for them. Now, clearly, you want to see Penn State beat Michigan and beat Penn State and beat Ohio State, sorry, regularly. And, you know, unfortunately, that hasn't been the case with OSU. But again, you know, you can say what you want about the rankings, but ultimately, they really don't matter because Penn State's in the Rose Bowl. It doesn't matter what their ranking is. Uh, I think they'll start the preseason uh, in the top 10 because um, I do think they get better over the course of the offseason. They're going to add in the portal. They've already got some names out there uh, from some guys in Florida that are going to be solid. Um, don't sleep on Manny Diaz, getting some maybe some of those Miami guys that he recruited. Um, see if they can play. I think there's a safety down there that's in the portal that could be an option as well. Um, but, but, yeah, Penn State's in the Rose Bowl. Uh, let's talk about Utah a little bit. They lost their opening game against Florida. They started out number seven in the country. They, you know, last year they won the Pac-12, started out, uh, you know, losing by three to Florida in a tough game. It was a really good football game. Um, Utah then beat Southern Utah in a battle of Utahs, um, 73-7. Then they took down San Diego State, 35-7. They beat Arizona State, 34-3. Uh, beat Oregon State pretty easily lost to UCLA by 10 lost or uh, then beat USC beat Washington state beat Arizona beat Stanford lost to Oregon then beat you or then beat Colorado and then beat um, beat USC. And there's a loss that I forgot to mention in there too. Uh, they lost. Oh yeah. No, that, no we're, all, we're, all, we're all caught up Florida, um, Oregon state, I'm sorry, Oregon and UCLA. My right. bad. Um, but yeah, you know that they've got a very solid team. You know, um, Cam Rising's 2009, 29, 39 for passing yards. You know, uh, with 25 touchdowns and seven interceptions, the dude's got it going on. And I think, you know, Kincaid's almost a almost a thousand yard receiver. Uh, this is going to be a really good matchup. Uh, and I don't think that it could have been matched up any better, any better for Penn State, uh, all things told. No, I, th- I think that's the team I'd want to play out of the Pac-12 this year. I just think it's it's going to be a legitimate test. Like we like I mentioned earlier, it's a balanced attack on offense. Defense is probably in favor. Defense, the strength of the defense is definitely in Penn State's favor. But I think it's a good matchup for Penn State's offense, especially that they're going to be down Parker Washington. I think we've seen that. You know, yeah, there's a lot of receivers on the roster. And I said that his production can be supplemented, but they are definitely missing some stuff in that receiving core that, you know, they've got a month to figure out, but, and hopefully they can. But I think, I think that's the defense that Penn State wanted to draw. And they're not facing a healthy Caleb Williams, which being a realist, I think is probably a good thing. Um, not that Penn State couldn't beat USC. I just think. And granted, Utah has beat USC twice, but I don't know. I think I'd much rather play Utah this year as a slightly worse opponent, even though they've lost to US, even though they've beat USC twice. I don't know. That's just my perception of it. Just because, I mean, a healthy Caleb Williams, I think USC wins that game on Friday. So I, I'm excited for it. it. It's the Rose Bowl. I'm excited. I would be re- excited regardless, but I think this Utah team is really good. And this Penn State team is really good, as we've talked about for six weeks now. And yeah, I'm just, I'm so pumped. 
I can't believe we have to wait a month for it, but I'm pumped. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. You like you get to wait a month, almost a month. Um and I'm not I'm not gonna be able to make the game either, which is unfortunate because I love the I obviously love the Rose Bowl, but you know, it is one of those things, man. You you get excited for it, you know, to to sit here at the beginning of the season. Would Penn State would to expect Penn State to make it to the Rose Bowl? I don't think anybody really did, um, mainly because clearly you think that that's going to be for the Big Ten championship. But you know, the two guys ahead of the two OSU Michigan are ahead of them, and I think that he got the top four teams right. Um, if Alabama would have made it at, with their record with nine and two. Um, places I, would have burned down, and and rightfully so. I might have I might have committed some of that arson. I mean, two, if Alabama 2016 it, Penn State uh would ha- like to have a word, uh because they won the conference, beat Ohio State, had two losses, and still didn't make the playoff. But you know, it's same place for Penn State once again. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. But there's so much more that's going on around the country in college football. We're gonna talk about that and the third and final segment when we come back from this short break on the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. Kevin, do you hear that? It's prime time. He is in Colorado now. This has been a wild, wild ride. He led Jackson State to the SWAC championship, goes to Boulder. I love it. I love the move to an extent. I don't understand what he's doing in Colorado. I thought primetime could have done a little bit better for himself. But at the same time, man, the Buffaloes are going to be back to what they were with Cordell Stewart. They're going to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean – I'm going to, I'm going to be, I hate the move. Dion sold those kids on a lot of things. He did a lot of good for Jackson state. And unfortunately, I, I think the main reason he left is his son Shadur. He's already announced him as a starting quarterback at Colorado. Colorado was absolute crap this year. I think they were one and eight when they were playing USC. And I was, I think that's the only time I watched him is because they were playing USC. And I'm just like, I think it's to give him, Power five exposure. The Pac-12 is kind of going to go on the downswing, especially once USC and UCLA leave. But he'll have one year of that. Um, I think that's... I want to give Dion the benefit of the doubt. I think it's for his son to get his son into power five. Because it's not going to look good. It wouldn't look good if his son left the swag with Dion still being the coach. Like You're going to raise a lot of questions there. So Dion saw the opportunity to move to power five, and that's where he's gone with it. But, man, I... I feel for that program. That program, Jackson State is going to be in shambles. A lot of those kids are going to leave. They're going to follow Dion to Colorado. People actually paid attention to HBCU football, and I think it's an integral part of American and college football culture. I mean, I don't want to say the wrong thing here, so I'm not going to say much more than that. But, like, I just – to Colorado, Colorado can't have that much more money in the program than Jackson State could. Like Jackson State couldn't muster that up. I, that's all I'm going to say on it. I just well, and their AD said they don't have the money yet, but they will be getting it. So I'm interested to see what they what happens. So I went onto Colorado's website and they have Prime. Hold on, let, let me let me yank like it up here. While you're um, getting that, he signed for five million. 
Luke Fickle got six and a half. No, excuse me. Six and a half was Wisconsin's top dollar. And then I think he got more than that. So while you're pulling that up, Dion went for two million less than Luke Fickle. I mean, Luke Fickle has all the experience on it, but Dion, if you were going for the money, get the money, man. There's no way he yeah. could have gotten seven million. But if he'd gone to a better program than Colorado, he probably could have gotten seven million. I don't I don't know. Make a prime investment in the future of Colorado football through the Football Excellence Fund. You can make uh, on the options are 100, 250, 500,000, 2500, 5000 and 10,000. We're crowdfunding that man's salary. <laughs> he signed a contract and they're writing checks that they can't cash. And listen, I think they have the money, but but that's the that's the that's the funny thing about college football is like this is it's just wild. Like we we are talking about Colorado football. Like this is the best thing going for any Colorado sport right now because the Broncos are a disaster. That's right. We're talking about the Buffaloes. He's taking his son there, and his introductory press conference was hilarious because he's his his oldest his oldest his middle son didn't make the trip with them because he's in Dion's doghouse. So I'm not quite sure what that entails, but Shadur is going to be there. You know, obviously as a parent, you want what's best for your kid, right? And is that Colorado? I thought that both of them could have done a lot better, to be honest with you. But you're right about the HBCU. We saw that, and it and it's and, and listen, Southern's team in the SWAC, their their um, band announcer called Dion out. If you have the opportunity to play that on Twitter, please go find it. He called his shit out, and I loved it. But that's the beauty of SWAC football, and that's the beauty of HBCU football, is. You know, you got exposed to those different uh, different cultures, the different culture in college football. Like Big Ten tailgates are much different than NEC's tailgates, which are much different than than HBCU tailgates. And and uh, and same thing with the bands and, and everything. And, you know, they, he got game day at Jackson State. Like that is an awesome thing for those kids, those universities, that exposure is is going to be unmatched. And there isn't a guy like Primetime to do that, like Deion Sanders, you know, but you hope for the best. And you hope that Jackson State is able to still maintain that level of success. I mean, he lost five games as a coach there, which is impressive. Now, listen, Deion Sanders isn't hurting for money by any means. Um, this dude played two professional sports. He's one of the best athletes of all time. Um, but you know, it, it, I don't want to say it's a shame because I think this is an advancement for him and for his kids. Um, but you hope for the best for the program. Now, the rest of the country, I think the top, like I said before, I thought the top four played out really well. If Alabama would have got in, everybody would have rioted. Um, but it is nice to not see Alabama in the top four in, in the playoff. Now, this will probably be the last time that it ever happens. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, you've got Georgia and Ohio State, and then you've got Michigan and TCU. They clearly did not want Michigan and Ohio State to play in the semifinals. But a Michigan-OSU final is possible, though I think OSU is going to have their hands full uh, with Georgia. Yeah, I think – I don't want to say drag, but – I, I think Georgia is going to drag Ohio State through the mud. As much as I don't want to say dragged, I don't think that one's going to be. I think opening line was like six and a half. And I think I saw some commentary. They're like six and a half. I think it might have been Nick Wright or Nick Braun, whatever you want to call him. Um, that's a Dan Patrick show reference. Uh, but six and a half. He was like, man, that line needs to be like nine. And I think that's probably where it's going to end up. I think it's probably going to be closer to a double digit line by the end. 
and George is good. And I don't think Ohio State after the Travion Henderson is the same. After the Travion H- Henderson injury is the same team as they were uh, with him on the, with him in the backfield. So, um, yeah. And then TCU, Michigan TCU is. <laughs> It's not going to be fun for TCU, and then I think we can go into this a little bit. I want, I kind of want to cause some controversy with this twelve-team playoff thing that's coming that was announced since our last podcast. But man, I don't think TCU is going to be anywhere close competitive to Michigan. I think ugh, that's that's going to be ugly. TCU is going to wish they they did stay home for that one. Um, so yeah, let let me cause some controversy. We're going to the twelve-team playoff. I think I was talking to this on Twitter with somebody. Once we get to that 12-team playoff, we need to get rid of conference championship games. I don't care about the Big Ten conference championship game. I don't care about the SEC championship game. I don't care about the ACC championship game. I don't care about any of them. Clearly, this weekend mattered for half the teams, and it didn't matter for the other half of the teams. And I'm not saying get rid of the time slots, get rid of the media deals. We can move Army-Navy game up a week because Army-Navy game waits until the week after conference championships, and rightfully so, so they get their independent platform. So we move them up a week. Then we get selection Sunday because the regular season's over at this time, right? Because we kind of have like first start of postseason is conference championship games. Then we get the selection show and then we get the real postseason, which is the bowl season. Get rid of them. And then the first four games goes to the highest ranked teams of the four. Four of the five power five conferences keep their media slot and keep their time slot of the highest ranked, and that's where we start round one of the 12-team playoff. Not saying that it's going to be conference-locked, but there needs to be a round one game in Indianapolis. It's probably going to have a Big Ten team. It makes sense to keep the Big Ten in Indianapolis, but I think that's where we need to get to once we get to the 12-team playoff because, yeah, I cared about conference championship games and there was talk about it all week long, but these things aren't going to matter at all and it's not fair to the teams that have to play them that have to play the extra game grant you get a month before the playoff starts but or maybe it'll be like three weeks by the time they expand it what have you but it's not fair to those teams to have to play 13 to get an extra game extra game of injuries all that other crap when the other teams are just sitting at home waiting yeah right and i think you know conference championship games have to matter and the 12 team playoff obviously i think they will because they get that bye you're fighting for that buy, which I think is going to be huge. But, man, I can't wait to see Penn State or a northern team like Michigan host a home playoff game and the pipes are frozen and shit goes haywire and they're playing an SEC team. Like, making an SEC team play above the Mason-Dixon line in December, I am so pumped for that. Like, so you- I am – I'm beyond excited to see that because like it's going to be great. Like obviously Beaver stadium at times can the, the pipes froze a couple years ago. We had to go downstairs in the press box to the main concourse to go to the bathroom. And it was a disaster. It wasn't necessarily a disaster. You missed a lot of the game, right? Um, that's at always that land grant week, right? Everybody loves the land grant trophy, except for when you have to go to the bathroom on the concourse uh, instead of the warm, cushy bathrooms in the press box. Uh, first world problems, right? But but that's what I'm I'm excited. I'm, I I like the twelve team playoff. I think it's an inexact science because this year, probably only two teams. I think Michigan and Georgia uh, are are clearly the top two teams, right? You could have done without TCU and OSU, and um, 
But at the same time, you know, some teams like 28, 2016 could have been eight, you know, other, other years, it could be 12. So, I mean, there's fluctuation there, but man, like give me Penn state, Alabama in December at Beaver stadium. And you've got yourself an intriguing matchup, not only because of the programs, but because guess what? When's the last time Alabama played when it was cold out? Yeah. So mark this down. First time in show history, we have disagreed. You are in favor of keeping conference championships. I think they're going to be useless. I think 12 teams is too many. And granted, I'm all they, about getting rid of divisions. And an 18 you're going to do anything conference wise, get rid of divisions. I don't care what we do. Conferences, conferences are only going to matter for consistent scheduling and blah, 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 blah. And honestly, a 50 team mega conference is probably better than an individual ones but we can't get rid of geography uh and the subject i know you love um but yeah i i think 12 is way too many the ship sailed it is going to 12 but i think i think conference and yeah beaver stadium beaver stadium in late december i i can imagine how the pipes froze because that that water in the bathrooms washing your hands is (laughs) frigid like um but yeah i we'll see we'll see when we get there and granted, if it was eight instead of twelve, like I think it should be, um, Penn State wouldn't have uh, made it this year because they would have definitely been the eleven spot, and then they could have had a f- gripe to complain that we were number eight before people got the extra opportunity to improve their resumes. So I think you will start to see a little bit more clamoring for that because, man, if a team gets twelve games and the other team gets thirteen to prove their resume is. It's not an equal opportunity employer. Not yeah, and I think that's football the football playoff is equal opportunity at all. But well, no, it's not. But that's it's the haves and the have-nots, and that's also I think where my next point goes is you've got to watch who, like who you're scheduling. Right, Penn State opens with West Virginia, which is good, but I mean, you can't you can't keep scheduling teams that aren't good and teams that you know obviously. What, Penn's, what what major teams do for the buy games help out those programs in a big way. And that's great for those programs, and it's, it helps subsidize their athletic departments, which is huge for mid-major schools and, and smaller schools. So you've got to kind of wear, weigh that, but they've got to come in and kind of regulate schedules because some teams are playing a nine-team nine conference schedule, eight-game conference schedule. Like that, you have to regulate it. So either eight, every team gets eight conference games – and that's it, or nine games, and that's it, or you, and then you figure out, hey, you're allowed to play this one team against the like one game against a, a mid major, like a like a the MAC team. You get one matching game, you get one Sun Belt game, or you can only pick from this these pool these pools, so you don't get a situation where like Hawaii plays Duquesne. Not that that game had any relevance in anything because Hawaii ended up stinking, but you know. No, Duquesne gets a big time $100,000 trip, you know, life's good, right? But that's the that's the thing too. You know, you kind of have to kind of weigh those pros and cons and that's not always easy. So, it, it it's not something that's easily fixable, but could be if they actually gave a crap about it. I don't think that they do because why why fix something that, you know, really isn't too terribly broken when there are billions of dollars being floated around? for pretty much anything that you want in college football. Yeah, and just to go back to the schedule uniformity, I loved Alabama people talking about how tough their schedule was, and they played Austin P 
use UL Monroe and Utah State. They had two FCS teams on their schedule this year, and they always do that week 10 or 11, whatever the hell it is. The SEC bye week. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear anything about how hard, how hard the SEC schedule is. because. And then meanwhile, see. Penn State's got to play Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, all three that's, in a row. That's, and that's just their division. Yeah. Right? So, you know, you, you got to kind of equal, equal that out. Um, level that playing field out. And if you're able to do that, then 12 teams, eight teams, whatever, it's going to be a much level play, much more level playing field. And it's going to make for better football, right? You're going to know what you've got in the regular season. Then, you know, Hey, listen, these teams are locked into this playoff. And then this team, you know, Hey, listen, these are the teams that are fighting for, for, for a spot. But Kevin, the time has come. We're still going to be back next week. We're going down to one episode a week now that Penn State isn't playing football for right now. We got tons of recruiting. We got Penn State media, uh, Bull Media Day coming up December 16th that um, hopefully it's at a good time where I can actually go to it and not have to miss any school. But we're going to find out what's to come, what to expect, and we're going to keep previewing the heck out of Utah and the Utes. Uh, and also what to expect from Penn state, you know, they're back to a bowl game, Sean Clifford, second new year, six game, uh, his four years as the starter, Sean, or, uh, James Franklin made the joke that he was around for the first Rose bowl game over a hundred years ago, which I thought was hilarious. Um, Drew Aller said Sean Clifford posted a picture of him at the Rose bowl stadium, um, on Instagram and Drew Aller commented, what was it like to be uh, something about being there in 1980, <laughs> uh, which was phenomenal, but. You know, at what what greater stage to see Sean Clifford right off into the sunset and see what happens? Yeah, I'm excited. So I guess, okay. you know, we'll see you guys next week. We'll see you guys next week for Kevin Quigley. This has been Jared Perger on the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Take care and take a time to smell the roses.